Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, this is the Tripe Supper, our Gazette Borough Middlesbrough FC podcast. I'm joined by Anthony Vickers to my right. Give us a hello, Vic. Hello, Vic. And, and Phil <laughs> to my left. Hello to my left. Uh, and I'm Dom Shaw, the, uh, the host today. Jonathan Taylor's off, so it's just the three of us. Uh, and we're looking back to start with the FA Cup victory over Sunderland. It's always nice to, to look back on a derby win, is it, is it not, Vic? Yeah. Um, did it tell us anything we didn't know already? Uh, it probably told us that Sunderland are worse than we thought they were, certainly worse than they were earlier in the season. I think the main thing it, it, it told us was that uh, Tony Pulis has kind of decided on what is the basics of his, of his first choice team. It told us that uh, Rudy Gastet and Diagonals forward uh, and playing off a target man is, is the preferred option for now. And it told us that Adama Traore is very much in the fold. Uh, when Tony Pulis arrived, I think a lot of people uh, assumed that Adama would be one that was disposable. Uh, he's not uh, tactically disciplined. You know, he, he doesn't really fit within a regimented system. Uh, and a lot of people thought that, that that meant he wasn't a Tony Pulis player. I, I think we've seen over the last couple of games uh, that he is very much a Tony Pulis player. And against Sunderland, I think we saw that he can be very effective. Phil, when Pulis came in, the kind of you know the train of thought, the line of thinking was he'll he'll know what he wants and he'll make it absolutely clear what he wants from the players. Now, one of the criticisms angled at Gary Monk throughout his time in charge was that he didn't know his best team. It was difficult to see what he was trying to build. We're only three games into Pulis's tenure, but you you can already see the base of a team. I mean, we were talking about it on Monday. And, there's maybe at the minute one spot up for grabs in the team. He's, you know, ten of them look to be nailed down. Now I know that changes with mm. a bad result or one bad performance, but he, he's wasted no time, has he? I think it comes down to knowing what he wants, and he's a guy who comes with vast experience. He's been there and done it, as we know. He's got a team out of the championship in the past. He's kept a team in the Premier League, two teams in the Premier League. Um, he's got confidence in his own ability. He knows what he's about. He, he'll. He said himself, didn't he? He wanted to have a look at some players and see what they can do. I would, the only caveat I would have about the Sunderland result is it was Sunderland and they were desperate. And even a poor Sunderland team created a couple of chances, which is a little bit of a slight, only a slight concern, just given the fact that they're also shipped two at Preston. But apart from that, you know, I think, I think it was always going to take a little bit of time for him to, to, to mould the team how he wanted. But we're only a couple of weeks into his tenure, aren't we? And already, as you say, you can see, see his team emerging. You know the big strong fullbacks, um, the shape he's adopting. I thought I thought it was interesting that he played a strong team against Sunderland and kept most of his what you'd call first team as though went with Gisted up front. Now that might be telling moving forward. Will Gisted be preferred to a Sombolonga? It would be a huge call. I think it would be a slight setback to see a player of Sombolonga's quality not integrated into a new Borough team. But I'm you know uh, jumping the gun there a little bit. He might be at the top of. Pulis's thoughts a bit like um, Beretta a bit like to me is also like Triori let's see what he's like against a good team I think Fulham's a great test a timely test a good team come to Riverside we can have a proper look at what Pulis <coughs> has done 
Okay, and, and what they can do against a team that can play football, you know, Sunderland, best will in the world, you know, I mean, they're doomed, aren't they? I can see them slipping, you know, through to League One, the way things are going. And that's nothing to take away anything from Borough. They had a job to do, they, they did it efficiently, yeah, they kept a clean sheet, and, you know, I thought it was more to take out of that performance than there was the previous performance against Sunderland in the league, where I thought Borough were desperate despite winning 1 0. The Samba Longer point is a, is, a, is a valid one, isn't it? Because I remember last season the I think it was was it the Watford game after that game where I saw Karanka and thought right you know and then there was there was a tactical rejig to the four three three which for a number of weeks worked um, that Preston game may well be looked back on as the time where Pulis very very early doors hit across the system that's going to work for him he went four two three one didn't he in the second half moved Stewart down in into a central number ten role he started in that same position against Sunderland um, and, and like you said started did diagonals into Rudy Gestet yeah. the goal Johnny Housen's goal came from that and, and they, they made a success of it again so, so that is certainly a yeah. valid point where Assam Belonga fits I think the Preston game was more interested in the fact that he started with nominally attacking fullbacks and immediately saw there was problems there that's been Borough's problem all season people putting balls in behind the, the, the fullbacks when they push up uh, that will have reinforced his core belief that fullbacks are defenders and generally he holds a very rigid back four so I think that's probably the main tactical thing that came out of the Preston game uh, in the second half he made significant changes and it had a very quick impact. Uh, but yes, I mean, you know, we're starting to see the shape emerge. Uh, I think uh, we, we haven't quite seen the full range of, of what we, we can expect from Tony Pulis. We haven't seen uh, the concentration on, on free kicks and set plays yet. Maybe that'll come in the weeks to come as, as he drills his team on the, on the, the training ground. Uh, but we are seeing something start to emerge. And that, Really, that's it's quite remarkable because it's only a fortnight, and he's already had quite a dramatic impact on the team in terms of tactics and mentality, and also quite a marked uh, impression on the crowd. Because you, would, when he arrived, we thought it might be quite divisive. A lot of people would be uh, cynical about his style. Uh, he brings a certain baggage with a, a negative approach, and yet almost everyone I've spoke to is very upbeat about about Tony Pulis and has embraced it I think um, it's worth pointing out as well that league wise he's, he's had a very difficult start Aston Villa are, are a team up there and firing Preston I think are the best team I've seen in the championship this season home and away and when they came here they should have won shouldn't they in the first half at Deepdale they absolutely ripped Borough a bit I think you know it's worth pointing out that we played at Wolves on the first day of the season didn't we? so you, you can't read too much into them um, and then Fulham on Saturday which is going to be an interesting game because Fulham will come and try to play water, that's the way they, they do play, that's the way Slavisi Jakanovic plays. And like you say, Phil, that, that, that is going to be a true test, isn't it? Yeah, they're a, you know, they're a team that everyone, a lot of people were tipping. Jakanovic, a very highly rated manager, they had a bit of a wobble, didn't they? Quite a serious wobble, really, at one point. Um, but they seem to be getting their act together again now, and um, I, they'll see Middlesbrough away as a tough match, you know, despite the change of manager. Everyone sees Borough as a tough team to play against, and that'll be in the back of Jukanovic's mind that he'll probably go aiming for a win, but knowing that a draw is not a bad result. So it could be a it could be a bit of a um, a tense tactical tussle, Ooh, um, a bit of alliteration yeah. there, Vic. Yeah, we can have that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have used it. Let's start this headline. Yeah, um, it could be. You know, but I mean, it's hard to predict, isn't it? The championship. It's such a such a strange league. 
Um, such a strange division. But yeah, I think we'll we'll learn a lot from that match about you know, uh, you know who's who's embracing Pulis's management style, who's who's thriving in it, who you know who's in the team for one thing. That's going to be another sign, isn't it? Well, it's surely like to be unchanged. More or less, I would think he might. I mean, again, will he bring a somber longer back? Will he stick with Gisetti? You'd have to think he'd probably stick with Gisetti, who took a very well, you know, it's got a very well taken goal. Triori. I think he's almost unmarkable, isn't he, because of his speed? But it's it's how Fulham deal with that threat because they might, you know, shovel him into a corner. And hope well, you've got it'll be interesting there because you've got two of the most exciting young players in the division coming up against each other. There, you've got Ryan Sessegnon who play on the left there, who, mm. had, who had Christie on toast, didn't he, in the game yeah. down at Craven Cottage yeah. and Triori. Now mm. Sessegnon sometimes plays left wing, sometimes plays left back. So it'll be interesting to see how Yukanovic. Sets up to try and because Triori will start on that. Yeah, well, the thing you can't do with Triori is is give him any room whatsoever because he just knocks the ball and goes, doesn't he? And when he goes, you can is almost impossible. He's more likely to stop himself than anybody else doing that for him. The question's always been what he does with the ball when he gets in a dangerous position. Played a lovely pass into Gisted against Sunderland, so that was evidence that he can play a thinking man's football when he wants to. He's done it in the past. He was he was outstanding at Arsenal last season. Should have had a goal and a couple of assists. So he can do it, but it's just whether or not the penny drops with him really more than anything. And what happens when a team targets try? It's the problem with Trier in the past being he'll have these great cameos. He'll be you know a QPI who was un- sorry at Bolton he was unplayable. And then he went and you know got himself sent off at Villa, and so and there's been examples where he's done well, and then in the next game he's started a match and hasn't kicked on, he's, and he's been hooked after an hour or whatever. That lack of consistency, Pulis won't have that. He won't have a player who one week is great and then the next week disappears. He just he's just not that sort of manager. I, I know you know he loves a James on. Morrison, doesn't he? He wants someone like that. I know it's been touched on though since Saturday's game, but it, it was interesting to hear Pulis talking about. Making Triori aware of the tools he does possess instead of what he doesn't, you know, what he's lacking and, and trying to get the best. And we've seen the same with Stuart Down, hasn't he? He was described Downing as a, a fantastic player and a fantastic person. He, mm. he clearly knows how to put his arm around the player yeah. and get the best out of him. Um, let's move on. FA Cup. The Dennis Wise and Rio Ferdinand clearly didn't read the script and draw Nottingham Forest at home in the fourth round. So it's, it's Brighton. What are our thoughts on that? I'm just glad it's at home. <laughs> it's, it's a long trek down there, so let's uh, let's get it done the first time. We don't fancy a replay. Uh, it's a good game, isn't it? Yeah, it, 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 it is. It's a Premier League side. Uh, I think they will probably play a fairly strong team. Uh, yeah, it, it is a big test of where we where we are. Uh, I hope that the tickets are sensibly priced and there's a big crowd, a big atmosphere, and it does give Borough a little chance to. Sprinkle a little bit of magic on the season. Is it Pulis has, yeah. has made it absolutely clear as well. It'll be full strength. Oh well, if you're going to play, a, you know, a strong team against Sunderland, you're definitely going to play one against Brighton. As Vic says, it's a good chance to assess where you are. It's it, dare I say it's almost a routine tie. It's the Championship club at home, the Premier League club, but a new Premier League club. Um, we've talked about. I've talked about this at length in the past. You know, for me. Clubs like Brighton, like Bournemouth, like Palace, lot what like Watford, that are in the Premier League, that are slightly punching above the weight. The FA Cup and the League Cup, when they get a chance to have a run in it, they should okay. embrace it and have a crack. Because when we look back on, you know, our years of supporting football teams in fifty years' time, it'll be the Millennium Stadium when Borough beat Bolton. We'll think about it'll be Stow. It won't be finishing ninth 
in the in the Premier, whatever it was, seventh or sixteenth, or sixteenth, thirteenth under Steve McLaren. It's those moments. So, and I think it's also I, 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 it's a good chance for a club to build a little bit of momentum. Yeah. I don't think it has to be negative. So. It's it's not the greatest sexiest tie, is it? But no, if you drew a list of the matches that you wanted, that would have been right down near the bottom. I think Borough can win it. I, I, I think genuinely, genuinely think Borough have a chance of winning it. They, you know, Brighton will have seen that and Palace before the match and gone. That's a bit of a humdinger. Mm. A long trek up to Middlesbrough under there under Tony Pulis. You, you know, um, I mean, it would have been the, the Palace thing would have been nice, wouldn't it? From that aspect, Tony Pulis taking on Palace again, but. Um, it's it, it's it's not it's not a mouth-watering prospect, but I think it's a match Borough can win and move on. Vic, you talked about drawing up a list there. We'll, we'll talk about a potential list of targets for Pulis first, but um, in a second, sorry. But first, Phil, you've done a you've done a piece today looking at how Tony Pulis' his, his agenda at Borough, his remit, is about more than getting results on the pitch. Um, he touched on it, didn't he, in his first press conference, where he said that Steve Gibson's asked him to come and have a look at the club from top to bottom. What, what does he mean by that? What, what's he coming in and well, what's he looking for? Well, my reading into that is that Steve Gibson thinks there's something seriously wrong behind the scenes in terms of the way the club's structured. Now, that might just be because when Aitor went, he ripped, it, 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 as I think Mick used the term, it ripped the heart out of the, the structure behind the scenes. Aitor's tentacles went right through the club. In the time he was there, he was almost given carte blanche to build the club he wanted. Um, so really, below, below Steve Gibson and Neil Bowser, you've got... You've got a, almost a vacuum now of you know Gary Gill's role. What? How did that result? You know, when when Otto was there, how did that affect his role? Where does that leave him now? Uh, the medical staff, you know, the the, anal- the analytics. You know, Ito had his own man in. You know, Banjo Villa, Guelmo, Salinas, whatever he was called. All, all those people. You even had some like Thiago Cruz. I'm not sure if that was necessarily an Ito appointment, but you know, going round the world, building up relationships in Ghana and places like that. So wasn't a bad gig. Wasn't a bad gig, and I've had a slice of that. And uh, so, so when you look at it, you think, you know, we've had, we have had a chaotic year, haven't we? We've had, you know, Karan Karag, New Monk, Little briefly, excuse me, and now uh, Tony Pulis. And it must be, you know, to work down there, the people who, the the, the, the people who. Maybe don't get the recognition. The guys behind the guys and girls behind the scenes who you know compile the reports and do the, you know, some of the scouts and some of the uh, development coaches and some of the some of the, some of the academy people. You know, th- there seems to be a lack of direction now within the club. You know, and also I think through no fault of the club, you had Tony, uh, you had Dave Parnaby and Ron Bourne, people like that stepping down last year. Now they were hugely influential people. And the amount of experience that walks out the door when people like that leave the club. Now I know they're just a phone call away, but and that's nothing. That's nothing against people like Martin Carter and Gary Little, who are top blokes and they're doing a really good job. But you lose that experience. Yeah. You know, Agnes went. Agnes was a vastly, ex, well, relatively experienced coach when he went. He took all that coaching experience with him. Paul Jenkins is gone. Paul Jenkins had a decade or more at the club. Knew everybody in the area. Knew knew who looked after. I don't know the guy to speak to at Martin or or, or uh, wherever it's Ackland or you know. So it, it it strikes me that Steve realised that he wants an experienced pair of eyes to look at the club, and I think. It, it clearly appealed to Tony Pulis, didn't he? Because he's mentioned that a couple of times. I think he told two different press conferences after the game on Saturday, the summer match, that that was part of his remit. And he almost brought it up voluntarily. So it's clearly an exciting challenge for him to potentially build a club yeah. 
I think it has to be said that that was also Itor's remit when he came in, and that was one of the reasons why he came because he liked the project. And when when well, Itor arrived, was less wrong when Itor came in because well, Tony well, had done a lot of the building. Blocks, maybe, but the, the project was to build an entire structure within the club. The, the problem was that the people that were coming in should have been part of the club and they should have been loyal to the club and they should have been club employees for the next decade, bringing that experience and cultural memory and becoming part of the ecosystem. In fact, what happened was in the second year of of Itor's reign, he was bringing in people whose first loyalty were to the manager rather than the club. And when he left, he took a lot of people with him. And, you know, we just see the shop shop front but actually it's it's nutritionists and conditioning coaches and all the medical staff and and, and they probably took, they probably lost 10 staff and when Steve Agnew came in they basically patched it up I mean Woody came in as the first team coach from from the under 18s and he wasn't even qualified so the, the entire structure, the infrastructure behind the club, all the mechanics, the little things. You know, to get something right on the pitch, it takes six people off the pitch to do their job properly. And that's what Borough have lost. Uh, Tony Pulis will know that he has a, the opportunity now to shape a club in his image uh, and run it, you know, build, build a machine that, that delivers on the, for the first team. But obviously Steve Gibson wants the, there to be a legacy there, which is that that has to build <coughs> foundations for the club. And we've been, you know, every time you get a manager, a new manager, some, you know, it's, the tendency is to be replacing a, a, a failure. And the instinct there is to clear out the dead wood. And sometimes you lose a lot more than, than you really can afford to. I mean, we know that when, when Tony Mowbray came in, he was amazed that there was no structure there because Gordon Strachan had run the place almost by instinct. He didn't have scouts because he recruited people he, who he knew personally. <coughs> he kind of regarded sports science as being almost like witchcraft. So all those areas were trimmed down. Uh, when when Mogger came in, they didn't even have like the, the, the GPS systems to track training properly because that had been completely disregarded. Um, there was a financial cutback. Yeah, yeah, a lot was, of that was down was to that. finances. And, uh, that's true, but you come in and you start from year zero. Mm. So in some ways, the, the club are, uh, are only now catching up uh, with sort of the, the, mod, the equivalents of their, their peers that they're up against. And... While I think they made a quantum leap forward when Itor came in, because it was very much the appliance of science, and he, he, he was very keen on, on utilising modern technology and with a, a very complex backroom staff, they lost that when he left. So, you know, we, we are at a very stripped backstage. So there's a lot of work to be done, and it's good that Tony Pulis has come in with a relish to actually crack on and do it. Uh, when I was talking to Dean White a couple of weeks back, he was talking about how Pulis likes to do everything on the training ground, mm-hmm. absolutely everything. He said from the analysis uh, through to the to the actual, you know to the training uh, with the players, obviously day to day. And I know for a fact that um, it has been very intense for the staff at the club since he's gone in. You know, he's kind of demanded more and more of them. But he's also been very respectful about what he said about what he's inherited in terms of players on the pitch, hasn't he? He was asked about it and he said, you know, if everything had gone hunky-dory with Gary, then I wouldn't be sat here. But there's things where I've come in that I've liked, things that I don't like, and he said it'd be exactly the same for Alan Pardew going in at, going in at West Brom. And, and, you know, he'll go in there and, and, and see things he likes, things he doesn't like. Ashton Fletcher was a prime example, wasn't he, when he said that he doesn't fit the group here, but then he still, you know, put him on the bench the next day. Mm-hmm. He still thinks he may well, he may well get a chance. Um, 
Will he, will he bring more staff in? I mean, we've seen two members of staff come in so far. Jonathan Woodgate's been yeah. obviously upgraded into the, into the first team coach, and there's still a team of an, an, analysts and the medical staff yeah. and whatnot. They, are, they haven't gone, they've, they've always still been there, and, and they're still doing a, a very good job. Do you, do you think we'll see more before the end of the season, or will that be a summer? Uh, I think it's inevitable we'll see more. I, I think it's more likely for the key appointments to come in this summer because a lot of them will be at clubs. Uh, uh, I do think that the odd one or two pop up because he will he will realise as work goes on that he's missing a key player a key uh, member of staff here or there and I think we will see a couple of new faces coming coming in over the next couple of weeks but I imagine the summer will be the time when there's a a major uh, underpinning work. Talking about faces just very quickly, Borough could be in the Premier League next season. It's not out of the, out of the question by any means. I think quickly, very quickly, the one area where I do expect to see something is recruitment, because frankly, Borough, you know, can't afford to keep having these summers where they sign players and then half of them aren't available or, or aren't deemed good enough. And it might be that this summer's recruits actually turn out to be not so bad after all. But but I do think there'll be there'll be something done there, even if it's just to clarify who does what and why they do it. I had a seamless link there in the Karanga Sorry, talking. Now. No, it's all right. Don't <laughs> apologise. Uh, anyway, I talk Karanga's a new Forest manager. He's uh, he's got Steve Agnew at home. I've got a dormer at home this Saturday. And comes to the Riverside in April. Um, good gig. Uh, he needed a job, didn't he? he yeah. You know, he was he, he was at risk of becoming a bit of a forgotten man. He goes in at, at Forest. It's a big club, big expectations. He, he talks about learning from his mistakes, where he went wrong at Borough. Well, I don't think any. I think it, we've talked about this before. I think what he was looking for was what he had at Borough which was a, a chairman who was going to support him and give him time, a budget which wasn't huge when he came here, but there was some leg room, and um, almost, um, uh, what was it, the project he kept talking about, which was obvious, which was to get Middlesbrough in the Premier League. Now, he's certainly got the same project at, at Forest, which is to get them in the Premier League. The question will be, financial finances-wise, how much he gets, and support what he gets, because Forest... He's not going in there in the situation he inherited at Borough. He's going into a club that's most people would, you know, they've had a lot of turnover of similar kind of managers who've just been un- unable to take Forrest that next step. And uh, I think there'll be pressure, much, much more pressure to have more immediate results. He was basically given the rest of the first season by us, by the fans, by the club, just to stabilise. Do you not think it's good timing though going in at this Yeah, I think, I think, I think yeah, it's going in a relatively good time. It's going in early in the window, as I say, providing you obviously get some, some wriggle room in terms of the spending. And he's probably far, the club are probably far enough off the top six for him not to be under any pressure yeah. to get them into the top six. There are 11 points adrift, I think, which is a lot, even halfway through the season. Um, I, I think I tweeted earlier if he's learned his lessons from Middlesbrough, it's a good appointment for Forrest because he knows how to organise a team and put a team out that can get results. If he hasn't, then he'll be, in, he'll be back to square one because he'll be reading every inch of the Nottingham Post every night to find out what to think of his team selection. So it's, um, it's entirely up to him, I think. I think if Aitor learns from his Middlesbrough experience, he can still be a hugely successful manager. At Borough, especially in the first year, year, two years, all you heard was good things from the players about his training methods and his, and his coach, uh, Craig Hignett, said that he took a lot from him. You know, while, while we yeah. know how it ended, he took a lot from what he saw on the training ground. 
he's really going to have to coach an improvement out of these players, isn't he? Because he's not going to get an awful lot of money to spend in the transfer window. He's going to have to be a bit yeah. more shrewd than he was at Borough. Yeah, possibly. I mean, in recent years, Forrest would be the basket case. And it's only last year that they had the transfer embargo lifted. Uh, their finances have been in a mess for a couple of years. But having said that, uh, a couple of big sales in the summer, including Britta Sombolonga, uh, the, the restrictions are lifted. So there may be some wriggle room for him to, to improve. I think he's got the basis of a good squad there. You know, at the start of the season, we looked at that squad and on paper, and there's some good young players there. Uh, Daryl Murphy up front, quite experienced. It may lack a bit of steel and leadership in the middle. Uh, he may look at players that he knows, possibly at Middlesbrough, to, to firm it up. Uh, but I, I don't think Forrester a million miles away. It might just be a case of tactical tweaks. Uh, we know that he can organise a defence and, and that will stop them losing. Uh, they showed against Arsenal that they've got a bit of spirit about them. Uh, I think it's a good, a good job for a manager who can buy some breathing space and some, some stability there. Because over the last couple of years, they seem to be getting through two managers a season. And you can't have any shape, continuity, identity when that's happening. You're just constantly... You know, the new manager comes in and you're constantly firefighting so if he gets off to a good start a uh, bit of stability shores that team up I don't see any reason why he can't be thinking next year that building the promotion side well, I there's, think a, there's the fallen giants appeal to it isn't there and, and you know by all accounts he was, the, he was their first target initially rejected them but then early this week had a bit of a U-turn a change of heart and you do wonder whether he'd watched that Arsenal game and, and looked and saw the players bouncing and thought well you know very similar to Gary Monk at, at yeah. Leeds last year Chris Coleman at Sunderland if I can be the one yeah. to get them rolling again I, I mean I wonder how much of it was you know he was clearly looking for the for the, the perfect situation, wasn't he? And he probably realised he isn't going to get it. He isn't going to get into the Middlesbrough. There are, there are a couple of clubs who were slightly similar. I thought Sheffield Wednesday would have been a good yeah, fit for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I, I said that all along that I thought there might be a bit more freedom there to to, to, to uh, a, a bit more of an option opportunity to build on what's a fairly decent side. Forrest nearly went down last season. Didn't Jordan they? will be breathing a sigh. Jordan will be leaving. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Forrest, let's not forget, I think stayed up on the last day last season, didn't mm. they? Relegated Moggers, um, Blackburn, if, if memory serves. So there were clearly problems there to start with. Then they went and got rid of a, a, a quality player like Asamba Longa. So it all is not well at Forrest, but as you say, they're short against Arsenal that can put a performance together when they feel like it. I think if the players buy into what he wants to do and if they can buy into him, there seemed to be a very receptive audience for Aitor at Middlesbrough. Everyone accepted that it needed something different. It needed a change. Tony had run out of steam, Tony Mowbray. You know, he went close a couple of seasons and then clearly, you know, uh, suffered basically because of a small squad and a lack of investment. Um, and, he, and, and to be fair to Karango, he didn't spend a fortune when he first went to Middlesbrough. But he did inherit some good players. He inherited characters like Ledbetter and Friend and Ben Gibson was coming through and we could, you know, one or two others. And, 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 and so it wasn't a disaster, a really desperately bad squad. It had some good fighters in it. And some of those players stayed right the way through with him, didn't they? Now, I don't know enough about Forrest to, to say whether the people, the core of that team is of a similar ilk because he isn't going to be able to replace all 11 of them. He's going to have to get, the, as you say, get the best out of the players that are there. Um, they've got some good players at yeah, that's what I'm but, 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 but obviously they're not great players but they're, they're all a lot of young players well yeah and Mark Warburton earlier this season only in October talked about how there's a, how there's a need to be patient with the young players well well 
have you got patience when, when there's owners above who are clearly no. wanting top Nobody six? Nobody gets patience, no, do they? No, no. I mean, it might, it'll, it'll probably get this season. And but he's, he's now he's now outside the Middlesbrough bubble. He's in an environment where if he does well this season and finishes, let's say, the ninth, and, and, and it's signs of progress. If Forrest get off to a bad start next season, he's going to be in Warburton's shoes. He isn't going to get any, oh, he's Aitor Karanka, let's give him time and patience. He played for Real Madrid. He'll be, he's another manager who can't get Forrest into the top six. He could be gone by next Christmas. That's a worst-case scenario. And, but that's, that's the environment, that, that is the average football environment for most managers now isn't it you know you see play, you know, they see managers go somewhere they'll take over in the new year they have a little bit of improvement the following season doesn't kick off as well as everybody hoped and they're gone you know, Gary Monk for example um, so I think he, he might want to have time but he must know that he has to show as I say show progress this season and then really kick on at the start of next season because the only thing they're looking for is promotion yeah, best of luck to Aitor Nottingham Forest. As we said, they start at home to Aston Villa. They can do Borough a favour by beating Villa on Saturday night. That's live on Sky, and you can watch that after hopefully watching Borough pick three points up against Fulham. Cheers.